Hi, and welcome to Are You Done Yet? The podcast from Innovative E about your work and project management challenges. Today, I have with me, as usual, Brian Quick. Hey, everybody. And special guest today, Carmen Diargo from Tasktop. Hi, it's great to be here. Brian, you want to kick us off? Thanks for coming, Carmen. Um, and uh, we're really happy to have you today on Are You Done Yet? Um, the podcast to solve your work and project management challenges. Um, episode seven. Um, as you know, folks, we always have uh, great guests on our podcast. Uh, Mike and I are, are partnered with uh, a great company called TaskTop. And the way that we uh, came across TaskTop is some of you out there are looking to integrate projects online with uh, another line of business system like Azure DevOps or ServiceNow. And instead of building something ourselves, um, we went out in the market and we saw we thought well, we would take a look at what the best integration partners are out there with the best so software. And uh, we came across TaskTop, started a relationship. Uh, we're currently talking to a bunch of different customers right now about in, in implementing TaskTop as part of our overall solution. And it's going really well. Um, welcome, Carmen. Great to be here, and I'm excited about the relationship and uh, to talk uh, today on the podcast. Great. So, you know, Carmen, um, the way we came into this, as I kind of explained briefly, is, you know, people have different methodologies that they're trying to use on their project management um, systems. And uh, they have, you know, your traditional waterfall methodology for projects and project management. They also have agile methodologies that they're employing in, in IT mainly, and but in other areas as well, we're seeing. And they want to get an all-up picture of what's going on across those different kinds of projects. And so there are folks working in Azure DevOps or in uh, another tool. Um, they're doing, you know, your epics, your user stories. They're breaking things down and they're doing the agile project management that way. But they still want that to roll up to an overall portfolio. Um, maybe they need they have some compliance things that they need to account for. They also want to be able to fund things from a top down um, and do it on an annual basis. And so that's where project online comes into play. Um, so. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit um, and how you see TaskTop helping with that kind of scenario. Sure. So, um, you know, I started my career in telecommunications at Bell Labs, and and while we didn't talk about it this way, you know, we kind of had this product or value stream way of looking at things. You know, Walter Schuhart, who worked with Deming on the statistical control and plan to check act, um, started at Bell Labs actually you know, almost 100 years ago. And uh, <laughs> so some of these concepts right around value streams, you know, are not new. But I think right. what's new is how we apply them in the digital age. I mean, that's mm -hmm. probably an overused term. But, but you know, we, we now, you know, we have artifacts and tools that represent how we work. Mm -hmm. um, right. And companies have different tools. And, and, you know, we view, you know, there's a value stream and how, however you describe it, right? IDA, create, release, operate. And you use different tools. So you may have a portfolio tool and an agile management tool, a project management tool, quality management. You know, I call it star management, right? Release management, service <laughs> management, right? So they give you different perspectives. But really, there's kind of one source of the truth. There's one aspect of flow. And whether people recognize it or not, there is a value stream associated with the set of activities that they're doing to deliver value. Right. So Absolutely. 
and value streams start and end with a customer, right? So do people really understand who is that customer? What value is that customer expecting? And, you know, where is the value flowing and how can you represent that? Um, and then I think the second thing that's important and you kind of touched on it is there's different types of work. Right. So, you know, Mick Kirsten in, in the flow framework, you know, he wrote the book Project to Product, who's our CEO, talks about four different types of work and their features, risks, debt, and defects. And and so a lot of times people think about features, right? They're the goodies that the customer's gonna get. Right, right. Absolutely. Right. And that's why everybody's in business is to provide those goodies. But mm-hmm. you have to keep, you know, your your products, your systems healthy and to keep them healthy. It's like a kind of like a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to consider well, defects are just, you know, you want to minimize defects and rework, obviously, but but they're visible and you have to see them and you have to manage them and prioritize them. But then the two things that get neglected a lot are risks, which mm-hmm. are really like the compliance issues, the security issues. You know, I have I have uh, my struts library right needs upgraded. You know, I'm using open source. I'm running security scans, you know, and, right. and they're finding possible vulnerabilities. Am I dealing with those? Am I making those visible? Am I addressing those? Because we know that if we deliver value, but you don't protect it, you're not going to be successful very long. We've all gotten no. those letters in the mail. Oh, yes. You know, your data has been preached. You know, yeah. Etc. Right. And then there's debt, which is really a way of improving things. It's an investment improving. So we think about technical debt, but it's really people processor technology, right? Mm-hmm. DevOps obviously is a big deal right now. I, I helped lead DevOps initiative um, when I was a customer at Tastop and Nationwide. And and so you have to there's a lot of DevOps practices, right? The Gene Kim, the DevOps handbook. You have to know when to play those practices. And, and the way that comes about is understanding flow and where things are flowing, or more importantly, where they're not. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to play a practice if it's not really going to help the problem at hand. So so debt's important. You need to invest in debt. You need to invest in improvements. And then you need to be able to say, if I do this, you know, did it actually improve? Did it move the needle? Mm-hmm. Data around that. and and a lot of what we do with the customer is is to help them manage and you know, stay on top of their initiatives, no matter what their methodology, no matter what their tools, you know, stay on top of those things to be able to, in the end, deliver value for the business. Because otherwise, you know, why, you know, what are we doing this for, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You bring up um, the 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 having to the risk factor to that. And there's things that I have to do to keep my systems compliant, to keep them up to date. Um, and they're not always the sexiest, fanciest things to the users and to the right. business, right? Right, right. Um, and in the past, you know, I've been in IDPT departments where we've we've sort of struggled with that prioritization. Like we have to do all these things. And some right. of it has to do with technical debt that we've built up over time um, or things that we need to do to keep the systems running, upgraded and compliant. And the customer doesn't want to hear about that kind of stuff. They just wants to get their new features. Right. So so how how are we balancing that? 
Um, and what's the best way to balance that as a as an IT department and say, look, customer, I need to do these things over here, and you only have this much room, you only have this much bandwidth for the rest of it. Yeah, and that's a great question, and that's one that we deal with a lot because when we typically engage with a customer and we start talking about the four types of work and we start to identify that, right? So what artifacts are carrying these business values, right? The, the epics, the features, the stories, right? Or even the bugs right. for defects. We get the, yeah, the features and defects you work through pretty quickly, but then you talk about risk and debt and it's much harder. And mm-hmm. I, and I think, you know, it gets back to um, this view of making it visible, right? You, mm-hmm. It's okay. very hard to, you know, in life in general, right? I mean, I might, you know, the worst health issue to have is the one you're not aware of, right? Right. You're not treating it. Um, so the same thing with our products or our projects, right? The worst, the worst issue is is the ones that we're not aren't even visible. So the first thing is we'll make it visible. And right. so, you know, one of the flow metrics that we we have on our dashboard is flow distribution, and it shows you the percent of work, you know, that you're in it within a given time frame that you've completed, that's of these four categories. And so, and it's color coded, right? So features are green, defects are red, risk is yellow, and debt is purple. When we first show those, you know, so it's very visual, it looks more like a Christmas tree or a top <laughs> light, right? It's red and green. And it's like, where's the yellow and where's the purple? It's not there. So the first thing it demonstrates visibly is, there aren't, you know, there's very little investment here in that. And and really, the metrics and anything that you do, you know, in this sense is to drive the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? The conversations yeah. are where the value's going to happen, right? It goes back to, like, the Deming quality circles. The people closest to the work best understand what's going on. You want to drive the conversations with retros and with product, the product managers, the business, to say, to get the point that you just made, which is you, we aren't going to stay healthy if it's just a steady diet of red and green, right? That's right. like missing our vegetables and fruits, or, <laughs> right? And so, so when you have the conversation, you go, well, do you have, tell me about that. Do you do security scans? Are you using open source libraries? Do you have, you know, hardware, you know, depending if they're in the cloud, they have on-premise. Do you have hardware things that, you know, hardware systems that need upgrade or operating system upgrades? I mean, invariably, they're going to say yes. And you say, well, you know, how do you manage that? And, and sometimes, I think, as you indicate, it's like, well, we have a security manager. They run a tool. They run a report. Mm-hmm. They have this report in front of them. It gets mm-hmm. in an ops review. We have meetings. You know, we try. You know, it's a battle to get it prioritized, right? And so, and so, thinking about it more in terms of the value stream and the fact that you, it's not just the accelerating the, the, the delivery of value; it's also the protection of value. And if you don't mm-hmm. do that, you're eventually going to pay the price, right? Both with debt and risk. And so, mm-hmm. the first step is make it visible, drive the conversation to get an appreciation of the fact you need some investment here and and kind of train people visibly to say, if I'm not seeing yellow and purple, at least I'm as an, you know, as a leader, as an executive, as a business leader, I'm going to ask the question, 
you know, where's the fruits and vegetables, right? Or are we staying healthy, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have to do it. It's it's just it's just part of part of making sure that that you can be successful long term, which is really what's important, right? We we don't want just short term wins. We need long term mm-hmm. success. Right. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Yes, it's it's really interesting you talk about the visibility and and our kind of view of the world in the work and project management space. That's always the first thing that we want to go after is is being able to surface the information for better decision making. So in the the project space, for instance, just without even talking about integrations or anything, just the ability to, to surface where things are. Um, and, and that's when you start to talk about integration to pulling in other data from other sources and being able to say, all right, now we can put these things together and say, yeah, we're as far along here, but we, we're behind on this comp- particular component, maybe it's a financial component or something else. Um, and being able to get that visibility. And, and like you said, it really helps, um, drive the decision making. It d- drives the conversations. We've said several times to our customers, um, you know, that that's what you want to get to. You, you, it's not about, you know, project managers in, in particular spend a lot of their time chasing data and trying to get and, and make it into meaningful information. And the faster you can do that, the faster you get to the you know the conversation about what do we do about it? Not where are we, but what do we do about it? And uh, and that's a big part of uh, what we're you know really going after with the TASTOP um, uh, partnership as well as being able to pull those those different disparate information together or data together into information that gives our our customers that that level of visibility. Um, in fact, we really go after um, kind of the, our, our uh, mission statement is really about a, give, providing work management freedom while also providing visibility, agility, and control. And so, right. you know, being able to pull these things together starts to really move people in that direction. And I think what you're, you know, what you're getting at is the cultural aspect of of doing the management work, right? Is that, um, you know. Sometimes the reward system, the OKRs, don't include, you know, they may be so scope focused that they don't include these components of risk and debt. And and sometimes I use an analogy of, you know, if I had a if I had a job to develop to to deliver something cross country with a fleet of trucks, and all I cared about was getting my delivery, you know, from Ohio to California. If I don't do any maintenance, if I don't pay any attention to the trucks, I may get there, but but the next person who has to take use those trucks, and the trucks are kind of like our systems or applications, right? The, right. The, the the permanent vehicles that we use to deliver these initiatives, I mean, they're gonna have a mess on their hands, right? Now I got a bunch of broken down trucks, worn <laughs> out truck drivers, and you're telling me I gotta go back to New Jersey? And so we, the cultural aspect, I think, is of this is very important. As a project manager, as a manager of an initiative, as a product manager, I I need to not only do you know be successful in in my short term objective, but I need to think about the total cost of ownership, the total health of my portfolio of these systems that are my true vehicles for delivering this. And then I have due diligence in making sure that, you know, whether it's me or someone else who's driving driving these trucks, you know, next, they're going to be successful too. And so the culture has to support that kind of mechanism, not to drive just short-term success. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, you talk about the culture um, driving that success and being aware and, you know, having some transparency about the risk and the debt that's involved in, in keeping the trucks running. Um, right. You know, what about shadow IT in that conversation? You know, you have situations in some companies where you don't have that kind of teamwork going on. So you have, you know, say a marketing department or other department that's saying, you know, IT is telling me they have to do all this stuff to keep this stuff running. I just want to get my job done. So I'm going to go buy something. I'm going to swipe a credit card. I'm going to get this done. And it's just adding another tool to the mix. Obviously, Tasktop can help with that a little bit by pulling some things back together. But if you see that, um, is that a phenomenon that's kind of still going on in today's IT world? That's that's a great point. And, and yeah, just by its term shadow, so again, going to kind of the topic of visibility, right? Things that are in the shadows are not visible, right? Right. And aren't visible can't be managed. And if you can't manage it, you can't improve it and you can't sustain it. So we know this is an anti-pattern to success. Mm-hmm. I do think a couple things, right? Obviously moving to the cloud and some of those instances have gotten away from some of the servers under people's desks that right oh yeah right we've seen those good old days even recently (laughs) you know there's a blinking light under somebody's desk we don't know what it is we don't know what it is but yeah (laughs) it's an ip address and it goes up here and we've discovered it and what's going on there um (laughs) and then i just think the last few years and all the focus right with all the breaches and things have, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the right kind of fear. I mean, I'm not a person who believes in fear and fear mongering and, and motivating people by fear, but, yeah. you know, sometimes having a healthy respect for what can go wrong mm-hmm. can help drive the right behaviors. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I do think, you know, that's help, but, but I really think, the key there is really this gap, you know, and Mick writes about this also, about business and IT. And, and we don't speak the same language and, mm-hmm. and you know, business results. And do we really have activity-based metrics? And so, so okay. you know, your point, when they say, well, IT is not doing what I need, sometimes IT is saying, well, what do you mean? I'm doing this great stuff. We've implemented that. <laughs> <laughs> right. We've got, we got Docker. we got Kubernetes. What do you mean? Yeah. Right. The business says, so what? Does this help? What's it done for my results, right? Mm-hmm. So so at the top of the flow framework, we talk about business results, value, cost, quality, and then happiness. And it's not just happiness to the customer, it's happiness to the team. Mm-hmm. We know that happy teams are productive and productive teams are happy. And and even though a lot of times cu- cu- organizations manage engagement, they don't do it across a value stream or a product or an initiative, right? They may do it organizationally. Well, okay, so my architects are happy, my testers aren't, or what is this telling me? What's actionable about that, right? If, if something's going south with a team, if they're not paying attention to that, if they're not paying attention to risk, if they're working with fragile code, like, well, don't touch that module because nobody <laughs> knows how it works and, <laughs> you know, let's just design around it, right? Do everything we can to design around it. That's no fun, and that shows up. And so, you have to you have to be able to start to talk that same language, and it has to be based on outcomes. You know, the business doesn't care if you have your Scrum certified or 
the business cares. Are right. you, is my value, have you increased my value? Are my costs manageable? Is my quality better? Which sometimes means I'm investing less in the rework, right? Somebody mm-hmm. asked, what's the best quality metric? And I said, well, to me, it's it's that red part of that graph, right? Is it, if I'm spending 20%, 30% of my dollars in rework, that's tell me the, that's the best metric around quality, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I want that to be minimalized, again, minimalized in, minimized in a healthy way. So, so it, we have to move from activity-based metrics to outcome-based metrics. And that gets back to, again, where is the real truth of how things are working? Well, a lot of the truths are in the artifacts, right, themselves. They tell mm-hmm. us the truth. I mean, you can do value stream mapping, and sometimes I say it's kind of a wishes and ifs and buts and wishes game, right? We wish it worked this way. We hope it works this way. <laughs> well, the mat, you know, the artifacts tell you how things are actually working, and and you know, you have to start to have metrics associated with the flow of business value and business results, and I think then. You know, so if I'm if we're saying we can we're showing you things, we're making them visible, we're showing you that you've improved, you know, your flow, your your velocity, your mm-hmm. more, your flow time is is less, um then that starts to correlate with business results. Absolutely. Now the business, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're talking the same language. That's going to reduce the need, I think, for them to say, okay, the business, the IT doesn't get it. I need to do my own thing, right? If you can, if you can start, you know, to have that kind of healthy view right. of the world and a shared collaborative view, that goes a long way to, to addressing some of the culture around that. Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, we, we talked to a lot of customers and they all have different scenarios, that, uh, but they're all thinking about this type of thing. They're just not sure how to get started yet sometimes. Um, when you look at uh, a situation that we're having right now, um, we're dealing with more of a tactical issue. Um, it's, you know, I've got things in my service management system. I've got tickets. You, you talk about defects. And I want to make sure that if I'm working on those things and they're associated with a project that's going on, I'm capturing my time in one place and not in two places. The project management system's over here. The service management system's over there. So TaskTop is bridging that gap and making that translation. But I feel like at that customer, we're not really getting to the core of the problem. Um, so what are kind of some questions you think um, would be good to ask about when you go into a customer and you see sort of the symptoms um, of, of this, but you're not sure if, if you're getting to the core of what's going on? Yeah, so, so one of the things we do initially when we talk to a customer is – We'll talk about, tell us the journey of these four types of flow items, right? So where does a feature start, right? Okay. Explain a little bit to me. And we try to get them to talk about the tools if they can, right? Because <laughs> there aren't, you know, especially what I call the left-hand side of the value stream, you know, the, the work intake, mm-hmm. it may still be in this Microsoft world of spreadsheets and, Power yeah, list, right? right? It's a right Excel, or, right? or a SharePoint list or wherever yeah, God knows where. Right? And, yeah. and they have their, you know, they have tremendous value 
and they have their place. But if you don't put it in actual tool in your pipeline, right, that's mm-hmm. traceable and that you can you can display and show all this information, again, make it visible. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard to have that one source of the truth. Right. So we, we talk through, well, tell me the journey of a feature. Well, you know, somebody has an idea, it goes here, goes in this system. Talk about you it. Know, <laughs> then what happens? We have meetings, then someone may duplicate enter something in another system, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the agile management system at that point, or you know, project, and then there's project management tool. And so right. then it goes and there's quality management defects, right? And so we have defects within iterations, then we have defects that go in JIRA, but then if a defect's found outside of that, it goes in quality center ALM, but then if it's in production, you right. know, it's an incident or problem in service now. Okay. <laughs> so we go through the journey of a feature, of a defect, and then a risk and a death, which we've kind of already said, you know, yeah. what's that look like? And then, and then, you know, try to talk through how, what are your integration opportunities that you have, right? Because, right. you know, a problem and, you know, depending on how they look at problem and incidents, right? Whether it's a problem, an incident becomes a problem, something that requires a software fix, right? So, so something happens in the field, something gets entered in service now, right. problem or incident. Mm-hmm. You need a defect in ALM, let's say, and you need something in JIRA that has to be worked or Azure DevOps, right? That has to be worked. You don't want three sources of the truth, right? Now, the service Definitely. management person wants to go into service now. Right. The quality management person wants to go into ALM. Mm-hmm. And developers, for sure, I mean, developers really only, only want to be in their IDE, yep. their, their source code, Git, whatever, source code management, their Slack tool, right? That Their collaboration tool. That's all they want to do. The last right. thing, and you don't want... A hundred, a million licenses for everybody to go in. Well, that's school. that's just it. It's licensing consideration, but it's also this is what I where I work. This is I where work. I work, right? Right. Yeah. Bring the work to the. I mean, one of the credos we kind of have is you want to bring the work to the people rather than have the people hunt through hunt to find the work, right? Right. Yeah. Right. We call it work management that freedom, right? Sense. Allow people to work in the in the tools they want. Yeah, I love that. I, yeah, work management freedom, work management liberty. Yeah, I love yeah. that. So, so um, you know, you want the view of of that incident and that view of the defect and that view of the bug or however you've represented it in in your you know your man, your agile management or project management artifact mm-hmm. all be synced and all be integrated and all tell the same truth. And you know, if you're measuring the time, it should you know, it's from the beginning to the end, right? You know, sometimes I've seen companies where as soon as the defect is entered, they'll close, they may close the ticket in service now. Well, right. it's not done. No. So they don't want to report in service now. Oh, yeah, it took four days. And the business looks at that and says, what are you smoking? It Four days? It's <laughs> not closed yet, I don't think. Yeah, it still right? didn't work, yeah. <laughs> right? And and the same thing in ALM, right? You, you know, if you represent information to the business that doesn't co- correlate, doesn't pass, you know, the smoke test or common sense, you've lost credibility. 
And that goes yeah. back to your point earlier about the disconnect with IT yeah. and the whole cultural disconnect. It all it, it begun, you know, the relationships are are founded in truth, right? And right. the business in your scenario is saying what you're telling me is not true. You're you're doing something to meet a metric that has nothing to do with my business outcome. Exactly. So we will show, like for example, we'll 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 work with customers and they'll look at things like stories. Mm-hmm. And we'll show, okay, your stories, you can do stories in 10 days, 12 days. If they, you know, I was on a call with a customer and they brought their business into it. And their business looked at this chart and, you know, looked at the metrics and said, I never see anything in, <laughs> in 12 days. <laughs> right. Now, luckily, we had measured, we had also modeled the higher level artifact, which is the feature of the epic. And we showed that view. Because I sort of sensed this was going to happen, <laughs> and it showed forty or fifty days. Well, that resonated. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, that sounds more like it. It's forty or fifty days. So then that begs the question: Well, if I can do stories in ten days, why can't I get? What am I doing where my features are fifty days? And I get it. The feature may have multiple stories, but still. You know, isn't there, you know, I, I talked to some customers that say, well, when we go into a planning meeting, we try to give every stakeholder a little bit of something so they walk away happy. Well, that sounds great, but that's like that's like a builder starting more houses so the people who just, you know, put their contract in are happy. But at the end of the month, I haven't closed any houses. Right. I haven't made, I haven't delivered any value to anybody. Nobody's living in a house. Furthermore, I haven't made any money. The bank who I owe money to is saying, Carmen, you're not giving, you're not, where's our money, right? Right. (laughs) You know, we have this, we have this saying that is, you know, stop starting and start finishing. And, and so, you know, you see a lot of these, again, it gets back to culture, right? But if you can make this visible and you can have these discussions and you could talk about the fact that, hey, we need to show data relating to the truth. So what is the true time to close an incident? What is the true time to close a defect? What is the true time to deliver something of value to the customer, which is probably not a task or a subtask, right? It's probably a feature or an epic or something. Mm -hmm. Then you get credibility. Then you can start having the right conversations. and, And then you can make your case why a certain way of prioritizing work you know, we'll get you a better result. But if you don't have outcome-based data, you're coming to the table, right, without a very strong hand to try to have that discussion. That's a great point. Wow. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that I was wondering about is, you know, we all talk about digital transformation, and it's getting a little tiresome as a buzzword is concerned. Um, But um, you, you, you literally wrote the book. Um, on it's called Standing on Shoulders, a Leader's Guide to Digital Transformation. I was wondering, do you address, I haven't read it personally, um, but do you address in there, in that book, um, you talk about, you know, moving these things to the cloud. You, you talk about, are they going to be refactored? Are they going to be lifted and shifted? Are they going to be, um, you know, dis- dis- discarded? Um, and moving, you know, certain, you know, customer-facing applications to a cloud environment opens up a lot of doors um, and a lot of conversations about should we innovate on this now or should we just move it? Um, we're, 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 not, we're no longer having to maintain the hardware or the internal architecture or the disaster recovery that we were before 
Do you find that more IT departments have more resources and are more focused on innovation because they are able to leave some of that behind? Yeah, that's a great point, and I'll give a little pitch. Yes, I, <laughs> I don't know how to get it in the camera here, but yes. I do have it on my Kindle, and I have been reading it. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, there are, I, I think the concepts of why, the rationale behind why people started to go to the cloud has changed, right? Initially, it was, well, you know, I have these class four or five or they, I have all these large data centers, mm -hmm. and I'm going to save a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So it's, like people, right? it's a financial decision. Like there's economies of scale with the cloud, right? Economies of scale, but I think what people have found is it's really not come out to be so much a cost issue as, as what you've said, what are the other opportunities I have? You know, how can I innovate more? What, what opportunities does it give me, you know, you know, the elasticity, the other concepts that I have going right. to the cloud, you know, the, the availability, reliability, things like that, performance, security. security. Yeah. But it, well, that's an interesting one if we could touch on that for a little bit, because at first it seemed like, you know, several years ago, people were resident to go to the cloud because of security. Um, you yeah. saw that, we saw that a lot when I was managing financial accounts. Um, with folks saying, no, 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 I need to keep my data. I have reasons that it needs to be under my umbrella. And those reasons have kind of turned their um, a 180, really, because the cloud really can be more secure than you're, than you're able to invest in your systems, that you're, the resource that you're able to bring to bear about that security, the expertise you have in-house, your ability to have um, threat detection and your ability to respond to it um, takes a lot of investment and a lot of expertise. And it's just, there's, you know, companies like Microsoft, Amazon, and Google are investing millions, if not billions of dollars billions. in security. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can't, you couldn't possibly do that on your own. So you bring up, yeah, so like about three different. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. When you I tend to through. do that a little bit. I, no, I that's a great question. So let's, so I'll start going down a few roads and you can really. <laughs> the first one I think is just this general concept of do it yourself. Uh -huh. right? So, you know, people could say, well, you know, we have products, you have a product. They could say, well, I could build this product myself. Mm -hmm. so I have something. We have this neat thing we do for work intake that's very – so I don't even argue that anymore. I'll just say, okay, let's just <laughs> – give it up. For the sake of argument that you have the, you have the solution, right? Now let's think about this. Let's think about the next three months, six months, year, two years. Okay, what's going to change? Well, the world's going to change. We've seen that in this last year, which is going to – change you know, the marketplace and everything else. The way you do work is going to change, right? Um, you know, you may want another tool. You may have an, another methodology, right? Or another twist, or you're going to do improvements. The, you know, the whole landscape is going to change in the case of security, right? Absolutely. You know, you have to keep up with it. There's, there's insights and capabilities that are going to be built by the people who are investing in in these products 
can what's it going to cost you let's just pick one of those scenarios what's it going to cost you now to take your product that you've invested yourself and keep up versus what you can buy from the you know what you can get from this right. product you bought who's constantly put you know they have to keep up they have to stay competitive they right. have to do that same business are you going to be able to keep up with that and i think people very quickly understand that you know while yes maybe initially on a small scope and then you know can you really scale this the way you know have you really scaled this across well, your you organization? But what if you don't scale it because you don't have those internal resources and you don't invest in it what's the opportunity cost that you're missing out on absolutely absolutely yeah. so so yes in fact when i was at nationwide before just in this one little area right when I was talking to Tesla, we did not, the product that we currently have, Viz, didn't exist. We had Integration Hub, which was our flagship. Right. And, and there was a way to utilize Integration Hub and, and, you know, the EDS capability on top of that to where you could, with your own, with a little bit of your own uh, heavy lifting, create Tableau reports and get your own version of flow metrics. But it was clear to me that you know there was a lot of work here to do this and to keep up with it and to scale it and to improve it and so i i needed it to prove the concept but it is not a road i wanted to keep on going right i wanted to go with the people who are going to be able to take this not just breadth of scale but also you know depth if you will of of features and capabilities and so and so cloud is no different your tools are no different. Our tools are no different, right? We have to continue to innovate and, and keep up and make them adaptable, scalable, sustainable. You know, the maintainability of these things, the total cost of ownership, if you try to take this right. on yourself, is going to be overwhelming. And, and now you're taking people who could be adding business value, doing something that's differentiating to your market <laughs> for something that you could have bought. Right. right. Eventually, those curves are going to cross. Yeah, that's a great point. And and it's those things you mentioned early in the conversation that start to bog down the features that people are wanting. Right. But right. they're now being bogged down by the risk and the debt. Right. Because right. when you build it yourself, you're having to accommodate all that. And like you said, early on, that doesn't become apparent. But when you try to do it at scale, those things, they catch up to yeah, and it, it starts to bog down and you get back into that whole conundrum of why does IT always say no? <laughs> and what, what are they doing over here? They're not giving me my features. Right. Absolutely. So that's a great point. Now, having said that, you do, you can't just make the assumption though, well, I'm in AWS. I don't have to worry about performance or risk. No. Right. <laughs> Still, <laughs> Still have to worry, right? If I'm black holing traffic, for some reason, and I spin up another instance that's going to black hole traffic, I, I'm not going to improve my availability that way, right? I have yeah. to still think about, you know, we used to call the non-functional requirements I, and risk, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's different, right? I have to, I'm worried now more about the risk of my source code, my open source libraries. Mm -hmm. I have to still be very diligent because, you know, I'm still exposed. Right. And so and so, yes, you have to understand what you're getting, but you also have to a lot. Then that allows you to focus on the things that you need to focus on. Right. Make sure you're still providing the customer experience that you want. That's going to not only get you market share, but 
allow you to keep market share and grow it. That's a great point. Right. You know, a lot of the other um, probably cloud momentum that's out there um, is, you know, when my competition is going into the cloud and saving yep. money, enjoying economies there and is able to innovate faster, I have to do it too. Right. Right. And that brings up another point that you just reminded me of from your initial point is how you start, right? So you start small. Start, you have mm -hmm. to prove it to yourself, right? I mean, right. your competition is a driver, but also when people see that they can do this themselves, right? So so Peggy's team has done this and, mm -hmm. and Leon's team has done this and Katie and, you know, Jack, Ravi, it, it's real to them, right? It's not right. just... Um, oh, yeah, we're not a unicorn. We're not an Amazon. We're not a Netflix. Well, no, these are people in your own company now that have gone to the cloud, that have that have implemented, you know, these concepts of flow, of visibility, you know, these, these DevOps practices. They can now release on demand, release, you know, release when ready. Now, the business says, well, wait a second, if, you know, hey, you know, hey, Mike, you always told me you can only release on, you know, the third Sunday after a full moon. I mean, right. now, <laughs> now, you know, Jenny's team is getting releases like Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. What's going on? Right. It starts to shift. Right. All of a sudden, the culture is to your benefit because because, hey, I want that, too. Right. There's the, you know. FOMO's, you know, real, right? I'm missing out on something, FOMO. Mm -hmm. I'm missing out on something here. So, so once you start small and once you start to get those first two, you know, I, I think there's something that says if you prove something three times and you have credibility or something, once mm -hmm. you start building up believability, credibility, trust, things start to turn. And those stories of success those examples, how look at what we're doing here with this, you know, with your product, with our product, with mm -hmm. how we're managing our value stream, with how we're getting flow and business results. Well, now other people want that. And so right. then you start to get traction. That's what starts to drive the culture. Now you can start to scale it. The mistake I think people make initially is, they want to try to figure out how they're going to do something across their entire organization before they've even done it once and learn from that. Yeah, so right. Do something, right. you're going to learn so much, and then, you know, that's going to help build you on it in the journey. Right. Yeah, yeah it's like just an analysis paralysis committee-based um, approach to right. getting things done. Like, we're just going to think about it until we've covered every base. Rather, just, you know, just getting started with the digital transformation. It could be a QA workload or a, a dev workload. You just want to get it into the cloud. You just want to basically be able to, you know, move your test environments. Or it could be, you know, re refactoring an application uh, that has a limited um, reach into a certain department. Um, and then, you know, ba basically learning from that, exploring other uh, applications that could be refactored. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and we talk about that a lot in the book is this idea of start small, learn, experiment, you know, mm -hmm. have some guardrails, mm -hmm. right? You know, you have to manage your risk of doing this. And then and then it's going to be part of a, a journey. Plan, do, check, act. Continuous right. 
human journey, you create these patterns and you start to apply them and scale them across your organization. And you do, you know, what Deming called systems thinking, right? Which is kind of analogous to Gene Kim's first wave, optimize the whole. So, you know, what have I learned? You know, so you need, you need a group of people who, who can, uh, you know, are kind of sitting um, on top of this outside the systems, per, you know, to some degree, seeing how things are working and then being able to help scale this across your organization. So we started this podcast um, in March, actually. Um, we're on, we were out of necessity, really, Mike, right? We, we, were, we wanted to reach our customers. Um, we couldn't travel anymore. Um, now, you wrote your, that book came out in January, Carmen. So it was um, January 2019, right? Right. So how do you feel like COVID-19 has really accelerated if or you know i won't put words in your mouth but we feel like the people who were had thought of these things before this all happened um and put the systems in place put the, these processes in place to move into digital transformation were better suited to deal with covid19 and the downturn and the working from home Absolutely. than other companies um how do you can you talk about that a little bit? Have you, you've, you've probably had the opportunity to give it quite a bit of thought, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And we've kind of been in a unique situation for better or worse, I guess, because, um, you know, our, we, we work with our customers as they've gone through this, right? So a couple yeah. of things I think that comes to mind is, you know, the first thing is, is so, so Mick talks a lot about Carletta Perez and his concept of the turning point. You know, she's a brilliant economist who wrote a book talking about the turning point and and that the age of software, you know, and I'm not going to go into detail, but look her up. And, and you know, if you read Mick's book, it's in there, but we're seeing his presentation. But but you're right. There, there's kind of this turning point, you know, like at the beginning of the last century, there were hundreds of car companies in Detroit. Right. Only a sub, only a few of them. Once it became understood how to do, you know, the things that Henry Ford and understood how to do this in mass production, other companies copied that. It became a golden age, but not everybody made it to the turning point. Right. I don't think we want a world where you only have a handful of companies that are dominating, you know, and, and you know, in some ways, some people could argue. We've seen that happen, right? So it has exacerbated this, that the companies that got it and were already through the turning point, the gap has widened. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also motivated companies to realize they have to accelerate their journey right. to, to be able to compete. Now, what does that mean? I mean, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Right. Well, well, I think it means things like, A, your work, you know, and I've said this now multiple times, but your work has to be visible in tools. Right. You are all together. You could be informal. You right. Where's this yeah. card? How's this going? Yeah, where's my whiteboard with oh, the sticky notes? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's on that board. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah, ask Joe. Ask, ask Kim. She knows where things are. Well, right. no. Or those people look busy. I'm pretty sure they're doing something. Right, right. You go to Gamba. <laughs> right. You go to Gamba. I always talk about this. People are busy, right? It's not, flow is not based on people being waiting. It's based on work waiting. Right. Right. It, 
like in a warehouse, you can go up to the fourth floor and you can see the inventory piling up. You can't see that in software. And so now, now that we're remote, it's become even more important right. that the information in your tools be accurate, that people right. can go and get what they need, right? You mm -hmm. can't have all these meetings. You don't want all these, you know, Slack can be great, but no one wants to be interrupted a million times a day on where's my thing and what's going on. Right. Be able to go to these tools that we've talked about, right? Where am I working? You know, mm -hmm. where can I go? You want to pull data and you want to see it has to be accurate. Mm -hmm. so it's put more um, value in things we've always talked about, which is make your work visible. Which is mm -hmm. also by my peer, Dominica de Grandis. So I can give her a little pitch there if you haven't read her book. It's a great book, but making work visible and, and, and so people can go and get that information and then. And then some of the integration things we talked about, because you real, really, there's only one source of the truth. If an right. incident happened and it's being fixed, I don't care what it says in to A, B, and C. What's the truth? Absolutely. What is the truth? So, so I think it's just doubled down on yeah. the idea that you have to have an integrated pipeline. You have right. to make sure the relationship of that, of everything that's going on for your initiative. You have to be able to show where things are flowing and more importantly, where they are. Because now, if you have a limited amount of money for investment, you better make it count. <laughs> and before, yeah. right, so we will look at a value stream and we'll see things like many months of work that's being prepared based on what the team can do, maybe five, six months of work that's in a backlog, mm -hmm. okay? And then we'll see at the right-hand side of their value stream, a large bottleneck in system testing, release testing, regression, validation, whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. right? so, so on the one hand, you're preparing all this work that you can't do for months and months. Right. It's, it's just like, in the backlog, yeah. I, sometimes I use a pizza box analogy. It's like, it's like I have an OKR to make pizza boxes. I'm gonna, it's like that one commercial. Yeah, there's a huge pile. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I'm it's kind of like the goal story, you know, if you read the goal about the robot. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm filling up a room with pizza boxes. I'm buying another room. I'm buying more cardboard. I'm hiring more pizza box makers. Well, but my problem is I don't have enough oven capacity or I don't have enough delivery or something is wrong over here. What am I doing? Right. And right. in the middle is where you have development. And sometimes the last thing you need is more developers. Developers are not your bottleneck, right? You probably need to move some investment from one part of your value stream to another part. And so now, you know, if you're one of these companies that's struggling to make it through the turning point, can you have a, you still have to invest because if you don't, you have no chance. Yeah, well, it's yeah, only catch 22 because now, you know, with the downturn, maybe they, lost some customers or some revenue streams and and not only do they have to invest now it's more important than ever but they can't right so you know that's what you were saying earlier about how do you do how do they get out of that hole dig themselves out right and and i didn't talk about this but you know this idea is of it as a cost model rather than a profit or you know an investment right the companies that made through the turning point they use it as a competitive advantage mm -hmm. right if I'm going to buy stock between two companies and one company is investing more in IT and one company is investing less in IT, am I going to buy the stock on one's investing less? I don't think so. Now, do you have to be smart about your cost? Sure. sure. You always have to be smart. You always have to apply lean concepts. 
But if the business sees you as a, and I forget who said this at a DevOps conference, so I won't try to quote them because I'll get the wrong part. <laughs> but, but I think, I mean, essentially they said, if the business sees you as a cost, they're going to want to reduce your cost. If they mm -hmm. see you as, as a profit center, they're going to want to improve their investment. But as you said, at this point, I better make my investments count. And make them count, yep. And unless I know where my bottlenecks are and where to invest, yeah. I'm guessing, right? I mean, I have an intuition, yeah. but in some ways I'm guessing, and you can't, this is not the time to be guessing. It's not. So investing in that visibility um, from, from front to back, where are things going? Where is it uh, going through in the various systems that you have in order to get that value stream visibility is probably more important than get, ever for those companies. Get, Vis visualize and get to that source of truth faster. Right? Source of so, truth, yeah. so that you, you know, that 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 singularity of truth that you mentioned, and so that there is the ability to take action faster and do things with it. I think that you talk about making investments. That's what you know. Decision makers always look at is what what information do I have to make the decision now? And by pulling this information together, I think it makes a great point that that that's going to help you maximize this these these investments that you have to make, even with more limited budgets, to get better re results and better value out of them. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And again, yeah, you're right. It all starts with that visualization because you can't manage if you can't see it, you can't manage it. Right. And if you right. can't manage it, you can't improve it. So mm -hmm. it all starts with having that visualization. Awesome. Well, great um, conversation and, you know, huge value, I think, for customers that are in that position to be able to hear it from you, Carmen. Um, one last question before we go. How, how, are, how are your Steelers doing this year? What do you think? Well, I mean, they won their first two games, although, you know, in the first, the last game they, they were had dealing with a backup quarterback. So <laughs> they're usually slow. I mean, historically, they're slow starters. Obviously, Ben's back. You know, my son actually writes for CBS Sports, uh, Brian Diario. So oh, yeah. he gives me the, the first-hand load on. So, you know, I think so far – so good um you know the ravens obviously they have to try to find some way to keep up with the ravens who are sort of picking up where they left off during the regular season so i'm just glad you know and i'm also i went to pit so they're they're also playing so i'm just glad that you know sports is moving forward and uh yeah you know it's a big part of the normalcy in america is being able to sit down on a sunday or on a monday night and watch a football game or or turn on the ball game, um, you know, after work or something like that. So I, I'm really happy it, it's back in whatever capacity it is. Yeah, I give them a lot of credit for working out, you know, mechanisms to, to push this forward, and I'm happy to see it. And like you said, it's 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 certainly great to see. So, um, you know, some we're I was on a, some kind of message board last week, and people were complaining, you know, because people fans always complain. It doesn't matter, of course. That's somebody, what you said, do. <laughs> somebody said, well, it feels like life's back in normal. We're here complaining about blown challenges and bad yeah. calls and stupid play calls. So, yeah, life is <laughs> life feels normal, at least for these three hours when we're doing <laughs> good thing. Yeah. Yep. Need a little release. That's for sure. Yeah. With all the yeah. situation going on. Well, it was great talking to you, Carmen. Thanks for joining us today. Um, and it was a great conversation and really insightful. No, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. That was great. Yeah, you're welcome. It was great. Thank you very much.
All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of Are You Done Yet? Uh, the podcast to help you with your work and management challenges. On behalf of Mike Taylor and Carmen Diardo, take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.